broadcasting from the heartland of America in the Hoosier Media Network Studios. The next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Indeed it is. Welcome back into it. It is the Voice of Reason's weekend edition. So wonderful to have you along for the ride with us here, broadcasting out of the heart of the nation, coast to coast, all over the place in the Hoosier Media Network Studios out of Wichita, Kansas. And welcome aboard with us. Uh, great hour number one. And I have to preface with this. I don't know if you noticed it. The other side of the aisle, we have a lot of Democrat listeners. I do get a lot of emails from you, which you can always email me, network at gmail.com. network at gmail.com. You can always email me. I get your emails. I know you listen to me and call me the right-wing nut job and the, the fascist and the blah, 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 whatever you want to say. I'd like to preface this by saying our, our last guest, she was a wonderful lady. And uh, But you cannot tell me that we don't bring the other side of the aisle on because she is a Democrat in the state of Washington. And it was very evident, I think, when she had talked about some of the policies that she had uh, tried to push, tried to advocate for in the state, all the power to her, where she had made the comment that uh, one of the eye-opening ideas was that when she tried to mandate the wearing of life jackets for those that are on the lake or in the water within Washington state because they want to save children's lives. And I, I I didn't say anything, obviously, because we're having a great chat. We're not trying to argue here. And for those that know my program for the long extent period of time, I don't argue with my guests. I don't. Even if you're a Democrat, I will let you lay out your position and we'll break it down thereafter. We may disagree. Maybe I'll challenge you on some things if that's what the intent is of the conversation. But I don't argue with you. So we do reach across the other side of the aisle. Because if I would have, I would have asked her, number one, the role of what government is. A government's role, in my opinion, is not to protect ourselves from ourselves. But I would have also also asked her the question is if you try to put in some type of law that would mandate the wearing of life jackets while you're on a boat out on the lake somewhere across the state of Washington, how do you enforce something like that? Now, that's different than maybe doing a public service announcement from the government saying, hey, as a reminder, wear your, wear your life jackets. Hey, as a reminder, save your kid's life, wear your life jacket. I'm all for something like that. But to mandate it as a law in the state, how do you regulate something like that? So just again, uh, when we talk about just the eye-opening differences of trying to understand how other people work, I've said many times on this program, I may not agree with where you stand, but if I can at least understand the thought process of how to get from point A to point B, and I can understand the logic behind it, maybe I'll disagree with it, but I can at least respect the argument instead of just some of the stuff we see on social media today. So uh, we appreciate her. I'm not going to like, you know, go after her or anything. It was a great conversation. I loved it. And it was a great book. And, and uh, being the public servant that you can be running in your state legislature, I think is extremely important. And I wholeheartedly support that push and the awareness of saying, hey, Run for office. If you want to do something, Andy, what can I do in this crazy world today? Run for office. Be part of a campaign. Be a precinct committee person. Have a part in your local Republican or Democrat party. Have a say and be involved in it. And I think that's something that uh, has gone to the wayside because we want to sit back and watch Fox News and uh, Fox News and get angry, which I get. But we can do something about it because politics always comes back to the local level. And that's where you can have the most amount of influence. And we saw that during the COVID-19. So, uh, those that are impressed that we got to interview a Democrat here. Don't act like you're not impressed. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do here on the show. All right, we got a lot to get to. Bottom of this hour, we have former Congressman Robert Pittenger. He is a congressman for, former congressman from the 9th District of North Carolina. Also, his latest book, at Character Matters. We'll talk about leadership out of Washington, D.C. And uh, do we have leadership? 
<laughs> uh, I almost said it without breaking into a laugh. Uh, do we have leadership in Washington, D.C., and how do we get it back? That's what we're going to focus on coming up in just a little bit. But first, did you see the news? Holy cow, man. Let's do a weekend review here. It's your weekend review. So according to DNYUZ.com, some left-wing uh, outlets, apparently... There's an individual that's going to be uh, leaving Congress possibly by the end of the year, within like the next month or so. What? I know. Who is it going to be? Well, apparently, after losing his elite position, he's having a hard time assimilating back in just to being a normal congressman again. And he doesn't want the shame. He doesn't want the fights. We've gone too radically far right with Mike Johnson, a Speaker of the House. And yes, I'm talking about none other than Kevin McCarthy saying that he is having a hard time adjusting to life after being Speaker and looks to leave Congress by the end of December. Wow. Now, I know things were bad for him, but that bad, that's pretty wild. Uh, Kevin McCarthy wasn't the most conservative speaker at all. He played to be. He talked the good talk, but didn't really walk the good walk. So we have to give our official and proper farewell here from The Voice of Reason, like we do every single person leaving office. And send off the proper farewell. So that's kind of interesting news. We'll see if that actually happens or not. But according to the article, they say that McCarthy, famous for his pre uh, uh, naturally sunny California disposition, has been hard to cheer up. He no longer attends the conference meetings he used to preside over, and the time has struggled to contain his anger at Republicans who <laughs> deposed him as they denied the accusation from one to another. He struggles to make peace with the idea that it's time to go, even as California's uh, December 8th filing deadline to run for re-election draws near, and his colleagues expect him to leave office. Oh, my. Well, if he's having a hard time, then sayonara. See you later. Abiento. Salut. I mean, that's really all we have to say about it. Because what did Kevin McCarthy do for us? He really didn't do a whole lot. He talked a good talk. And I give him credit when he tried to propose his bill back in, what was it, March or April of this year, when we were trying to figure out this whole debt ceiling issue, and he proposed a bill that would just at least borrow some money from the unspent COVID-19 funds and be able to appropriate that into just paying our bills until the end of the fiscal year. That was a great bill. That was awesome. And then he cowered and caved away from it and walked away, and we ended up uh, doing a debt ceiling bill that raised our spending by $2 trillion dollars. Each year for the next two years, a total of $4 trillion, where if that happens with our new federal budget by next year, when we do end the uh, continuing resolution, it would be the same level of spending is what we did when we were bailing out the entire nation during the COVID-19 pandemic in our COVID-19 funds. That would be our new level of normal spending. And for that, shame on you, Kevin McCarthy. So one more time, we'll say farewell, Kevin McCarthy. All right, let's get into one more issue here, shall we? There was a fun debate, which was entertaining, to say the least. But what it really accomplished, I'm not quite sure. We knew how this was going to end. And it was going to end poorly with the, yes, the Gavin Newsom-Ron DeSantis debate on the Sean Hannity program on Fox News. I don't quite understand why we did it. Now, look, if you want to have policy issues and policy debates between the far right and the far left, then... Have the policy issues, but don't do it between candidates that are looking to try and score political points going into an election season. If you remember, there was two debates that happened on CNN a few years ago. And uh, no one knew about them because no one watches CNN. (laughs) But (laughs) I know that's a joke, right? Yeah, no one even knew about them, but they were actually decent debates. And they were who uh, they were between the two candidates, which I wish would have been, honestly, 
uh, at that time at least, the presidential candidates of 2016, which was Ted Cruz and Bernie Sanders. There were two debates, one on, on the economy and one on health care. Obviously, Ted Cruz being more of a constitutionalist, Bernie Sanders being more of a socialist, and having them duke it out on policy. There was no politics at play. There was no election at play. There was no trying to score political points over the other just to try and gain up uh, popularity points. It was strictly policy. And if you're going to do debates, to me, that's the way you do a debate like this. But the Ron DeSantis-Gavin Newsom debate, that's not what happened because it was the mudslinging. It was the Ron DeSantis desperate to try and uh, try and score some political points with the Republicans showing that he can take on the Democrat side and how it's all Democrats and Joe Biden and Gavin Newsom that are ruining the country right now. I mean, that's all we got from this debate. Joe Biden is sitting on his hands. He refuses to take care of the border. He refuses to hold the drug cartels accountable. This is the vision of Biden, Harris, Newsom. I support border security. I think the asylum system is broken. I believe that we I need- I understand that. I, I'm, the one that, I'm the only guy here that's a border state governor. You're trolling folks and trying to find migrants to play political games, to try to get some news and attention so you can out-Trump Trump. And by the way, how's that going for you, Ron? You're down 41 points in your own home state. Biden- yeah, all right. So that audio from Fox News, that was it was an entertaining debate, to say the least. But how many of you actually watched it? According to Deadline.com, 5.46 million viewers tuned into the Fox News Ron DeSantis-Gavin Newsom debate. And what did we walk away from? Gavin Newsom claimed that it was a rigged debate, which... Uh, I don't know why you say that. Well, it's a moderator that was a right winger against a right wing candidate as well. So it was two against one the entire. Welcome to the Republican Party, pal. Welcome to the Republican debates where we see the GOP have Democrat moderators constantly abused, not understanding policy that we're actually advocating for, which makes a debate kind of difficult when the moderator doesn't even get what we're trying to say. That was evident in the last debate when, uh, uh, who was it? Tim Scott was talking about the economy and trying to lower gas prices by opening up markets and actually allowing people to drill. And the moderator is like, well, yeah, that's not going to change things immediately, though. And he just kind of left. He's like, yeah, it, it really is, because, well, the futures, when we see more going on to the market, even if it's not there, that means that people are going to start dropping their prices because we know it's about to happen in something that's called a supply and demand economy. <laughs> I know. Wild, crazy things, right? But this debate was nothing like that. There were some interesting points in it, though. Outside of uh, Ron DeSantis trying to lump in Gavin Newsom with Joe Biden, Gavin Newsom taking shots at Ron DeSantis for having low approval ratings over uh, the Donald Trump, and then Sean Hannity completely losing all control over the debate throughout multiple times in this thing. There were some interesting comments, and you want to see what narcissism looks like. Just watch Gavin Newsom. And I don't say that lightly. I don't like name-calling. As you know, we were a little bit more substantive on this program. But when you look at narcissism, I've known a lot of narcissists in my life, and when you sit back and observe how they react, is that when they get called out publicly, that to them is the absolute... People that know this, when you're trying to fight narcissists, maybe in the family or something, you know that when they get called out publicly for something and get called out for the games that they like to play behind the scenes, they lose their minds and they don't know how to handle it. Because the number one worst thing that you can do is expose a narcissist for doing narcissistic things in a public fashion. And to them, that's when they absolutely lose their mind. So this is a very dangerous game that Gavin Newsom's playing because there were multiple times in this, whether it was failed policy or just that narcissistic um, character that he has, where he couldn't answer a question but had to go on the defense or had to go on the attack. 
because that's the typical mindset of either a narcissist or a Democrat progressive. I mean, just compare whichever one you want to look at. But that's what they do. When their policy fails, they have to turn the narrative around. There was the conversation that Ron DeSantis had about uh, books being in the elementary schools in California. Now, he shall, which they say that he broke the rules because he wasn't supposed to bring any actual examples. He was only supposed to have a notepad and paper, uh, a notepad and pen. But he brought some pictures of what books that were actually in the public school system there. He wasn't supposed to do that, so Newsom's obviously upset about it, but it exposed him because of things that he said were just completely untrue. How how dare you even consider the fact that we would have these books in the classroom? But Ron DeSantis had a copy of them and started reading through part of it and said, this is what's being taught in the public schools that are within the public schools in the libraries and that kids are reading. Why? This is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida. This is not consistent with our standards called gender queer. I, it's some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. Those books. Do you believe that's appropriate for school? All district? right. So we'll get the response from Gavin News when we come back. I know we got to take a break here in just a minute. But the response is fascinating from Gavin Newsom. Because when called out, and again, was Ron DeSantis supposed to bring that picture of the book and read a part of it? No, he was not supposed to do that. But when exposing the agenda that's supposed to be behind the scenes, the, 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 the these aren't the droids you're looking for. Just move along here. Don't look at what's really going on. When you expose that from the progressive end of the aisle with their specific agenda, they lose their minds. And they get very angry. And they lash out. We'll do that when we come back here. Because it's all about now the truth coming out in the end. Remember your parents saying that? Don't lie. The truth always comes out in the end. And guess what? Progressives' lies are being exposed as we see them before our eyes. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. It's your Patriot on the Prairie. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Expanding common sense, reason, and rationale across the country from coast to coast all over the place. More radio stations jumping on all over the place. We'll announce some more of those as we move along here. Welcome back into it. Again, we do have our newsletter coming out on Monday, kicking off a brand new month, which is hard to... Can you imagine, man, we are uh, officially almost done with 2023. Blows my mind, makes my brain hurt just a little bit. Go to HoosierReason.com, H-O-O-S-E-R Reason.com, and subscribe. Become a Hoosier Holic. You can get the newsletter that includes our monthly blog, and along with information on the radio show, our recap of the year, our Hoosier Media Network with all the great podcasts that we work with, and some really cool stuff on there. Don't miss it, and excited to have you join us as each and every week. All right, so the ongoing debate between Ron DeSantis and Gavin Newsom. Now, apparently that's not going to happen anymore as Gavin Newsom says that it was rigged. It was rigged. Those Republicans attacked me and they broke the rules for a conversation that we were supposed to have that didn't really mean or do anything. (laughs) Kind of interesting. But as we look at the response from Gavin Newsom issues, did it really change any opinions or any minds? No, not really. Democrats still think Newsom won. Republicans still think that Ron DeSantis won. And everybody agreed that Sean Hannity really didn't handle that very well and had control of his debate stage. Nonetheless, the issue of the LGBTQ books in the state of California. Now, I'm going to play the whole thing. It's about a minute. It starts off with Ron DeSantis talking about the books. Then Sean Hannity asking Gavin Newsom about response 
to the books that are there. And the response to me is quite fascinating. This is a book that's in some of the schools in California, Florida. This is not consistent with our standards called gender queer. I, it's some of it's blacked out. You would not probably be able to put this on air. This is pornography. It's cartoons. It's aimed at children uh, and it's wrong. So this should not be in schools. Those books. Do you believe that's appropriate for school districts to teach kids? Yes or no? Not, come on. Those are not, it's not part of the curriculum. They're not teaching. Those are, the, that, 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 those are books that were in school. Hold on. Hold on. The bottom line is you are on a book banning binge, your state, 1,406 books, 3,362 in this country. You didn't answer. What about those books? That's not, we don't provide for K through third grade education, that kind of curriculum. It's just made up. These guys make it up. It's part of this cultural purge. Should it it's be? It's just a you, made what grade, up What grade would it be what acceptable? I find, but what I find what offensive, Sean and Ron, what I find offensive is the a very significant number of these books happen to be LGBTQ books. Did you hear that? Wow. So, okay, laughing it off. Again, again tie in the progressive movement. And the narcissistic behavior you see from many individuals in society, your family member, your coworker, whoever it may be, you get called out. Hey, this this book, what was it? Gender queer? Is that what the book was called? I don't I've never heard that book. I have no clue that. Hey, look at this book. This is in the classroom right now. This is part of the curriculum or at least being allowed to be read by students in some fashion in public schools in California. And what was the response? Again, he wasn't supposed to bring a picture of that and actually do that because that breaks the rules of the debate. But when you broke the rule to expose the progressive, what was the response? Well, look at what they're doing. They're they're banning books. Look at those fascists. They're banning books. Yeah, we don't want kids to read pornography. That's a is that a bad concept? Well, it's not part of our curriculum for K through third grade. Okay. Well, that's nice. What about fourth grade? What about fifth grade? What about eighth grade? I remember eighth grade. That was the end of my middle school going into high school, right? Before your freshman year. I probably wouldn't appreciate reading something like that or even know what that means of being gender queer. What the hell is that supposed to mean? Well, okay, well, okay, what grade is appropriate thing, Gavin Newsom? Do you actually expect that? Well, look, they're banning books and you're attacking the LGBTQ because most of the books you're banning are about LGBTQ. Like, What? I'm telling you, man, this is that's failure, <laughs> major failure from the Newsom administration there and could not admit it. So obviously the books are there and they just didn't know how to respond to it. So you have to go under the attack. Andy, why do we bring this up? It's extremely important because you need to know what's happening in your classrooms and you need to know some of the ridiculousness that they refuse to acknowledge that's happening that you need to be aware of as a parent or a grandparent or a guardian. Holy cow, man crazy world got to take a break lots more coming up congressman former congressman robert pittenger when we come back stay here this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier when reason meets radio this is the voice of reason with andy hoosier Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it on the home stretch here. So fast, man. It flies right on by. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five pound bag, trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time, our multiple radio stations all over the country. We appreciate you and love you to death. Thank you so much for tuning in. Being that Hoosier holic that you are each and every weekend with our weekly gatherings. Well, by the way, there's some news going on this weekend. We need to break real quick here. 
What's trending today? That will lead perfectly into our next guest. But according to CNN, there is now a statement from House Speaker Mike Johnson saying uh, on Saturday this week that he believes that Republicans now have the official amount of votes to launch a formal impeachment inquiry into current President Joe Biden. Now, obviously, the other side of the aisle says that that is nothing more than a political ploy. But Republicans seeing some of the shenanigans or, as Joe Biden says, the malarkey that goes on in uh, in Washington, D.C., that there's enough votes that Republicans will be voting potentially soon on an impeachment inquiry into the Biden administration. According to the interview that Johnson did with Fox News saying, quote, I believe that we will. I suspect no Democrats will assist in this effort, but they should. Interesting, for sure. We'll touch on some more of that as more details come out. But I want to shift gears a little bit and get back to the Hoosier Media Hotlines. Let's go to the Hoosier Media Hotline. And regardless of whatever side that you're on uh, politically, it is uh, interesting to see what leadership looks like throughout history. And do we have proper leadership either in both parties and the nation as a whole? What does leadership actually look like and how can we get back to that? Excited to have on the program. He's a former congressman from the 9th District from the great state of North Carolina and author of his new book, Character Matters, Personal Stories of 31 World Changers. Happy to have on the program here Robert Pittenger. Rob, how are you, my friend? Good evening. Great to be with you. Love your love your show. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you joining us very much. So first off, congrats on the book. It, it's sad because my I'm 35. I'm a millennial. Leadership seems to be kind of a rare thing nowadays, and it's hard to find proper leaders in society. Rob, where did we go wrong? Where did all the leaders go today? Well, my friend, um, we have 17 grandchildren, and I wanted my grandchildren to understand the character traits of some remarkable people that I've had the great privilege of working with and knowing the last many decades, and frankly, why they had such impactful lives because of their special, unique character traits. I mean, they, these were deep people. Margaret Thatcher, Ronald Reagan, uh, Tom Landry, the football coach, uh, yeah. Tenzin Lobby, uh, many, many people that we write about and tell stories of the character impact of their life and how they we all begin, you know, coming out of the womb, ordinary people. I mean, Ronald Reagan raised in a small town in Iowa, but he emerges as one of the great leaders of civilization. Well, why did that happen? What are, the, what are his character traits? That's what I asked Margaret Thatcher when I first met her. You know, we know you're the Iron Lady. You were there when the wall came down. Uh, you you fought the socialists. You fought the liberals. Uh, and you prevailed against yeah. enormous headwinds. But what we don't know is what made you Margaret Thatcher? What gave you that instinctive drive and, and focus and clarity of mission uh, to continue on in, in all the headwinds that you had to, you had to face? And so those are the types of uh, presentations that we make in this book. I love that. It is so much needed today. I love hearing the personal stories and uh, just understanding what drives people and what make them really who they are. Let's talk about a couple of those. Obviously, with a lot of people, like you said, that you've worked with and that you've met, let's talk about Ronald Reagan. I am so devastated that I didn't get to enjoy the great Ronald Reagan era being born in 88 as he was phasing out of the administration. So I didn't get to experience a lot of it. But talk about his story and and kind of what led him to stand up and rise at that time. Well, Ronald Reagan was a person that you never questioned uh, his focus and his determination. Uh, when I first met uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, I asked Mikhail Gorbachev, I said, what did you think of Ronald Reagan when you met him? What, were your, what was 
what was your impression? And he said, air traffic controllers. Well, I knew what he meant. Uh, Reagan had just come into office. He'd been there three months. And right after that period of time, the air traffic controllers said they're going to go on strike. Uh, and Reagan said, great, you go on strike and, and I'll uh, fire you. Didn't raise his voice. <laughs> didn't, didn't, didn't get on uh, the TV and you know, rally and rail against him. He just did what he said he would do. Uh, Harry Truman and Teddy Roosevelt would say, speak softly and carry a big stick. So uh, I think you know, Reagan was a civil person, but he was clearly focused. Uh, you know, Mikhail Gorbachev knew he meant what he said when he's going to, uh, when he called the evil empire an evil empire. So uh, I think um, that's the, the kind of quality of person. We don't need to rail and, and accuse and, and have fights and argue, and we just steadfast and firm. You know, when I met Ron, when I met Thatcher, I said, you know, I asked her, why, how did you become who you are? She said, well, Robert's my father. And my father, uh, number one, he was a Methodist Sunday school teacher, and he taught me values. He taught me, took me to church, taught me about Christianity. But she said he taught me three things about leadership that uh, affected my whole life. And the first one was, Determine the right thing to do. What is the absolute right thing in any given situation? Secondly, with your whole heart, commit yourself to that objective wholeheartedly, never look back. And thirdly, with all your persuasion, with all your abilities, seek to bring your friends and your colleagues to join you. Well, so succinct, but so profound. Well, let's move the clock 20 years forward. That was 1993 when I hosted her in Charlotte the first time. 20 years later, I'm you know, just been elected to the United States Congress. And uh, Harvard invited all of us up to all 85 Republican and Democrat members, I guess, to try to indoctrinate us for a week. And at that week-long period was four members of the U.K. Parliament, two Labor and two Conservative, just to see what how we were reacting to the issues. Well, Joe Kennedy, my classmate, invited us out to Fenway Park to, you know, see the park. Little January wasn't a game. But we got to go in the dugout and, you know, the locker room and all that. On the way out, I, I sat next to a member of the U.K. Parliament who was a member of Labor. And we had a nice chat. She was a very nice lady. But I finally got the courage to say to her, well, tell me, what did you think of Margaret Thatcher, expecting the darts to fly? She said, God bless her. She saved our country. She oh. had the courage to do what my party didn't have the courage to do. And boy, my my heart just lifted. I saw that great lady. Twenty years ago, she had defined what leadership was all about, and that's what I tried my best to uh, be during my term in Congress. So yeah. that's my hope is to be able to pass these on uh, for those who want to have impactful lives, those who have real meaningful lives for our country, for the world, uh, for the Lord, whatever. I mean. Um, you can. There, there are qualities in these people that we can learn from, and that's what we've tried to communicate in the book. 
We definitely need to learn some of those lessons. As uh, I, right now, I think it's so encouraging and so much needed because right now I don't see a lot of that going on. You're right. Even from the other side back then, if, wow, you know what? She let us out of something. She did something that was maybe unpopular. They did something that uh, everybody turned their back on. And even the, the opposite political aisle was like, oh, hey, you know what? Yeah, you you did something that we were unwilling to do, and God bless you for doing it. And we've learned yeah. our lesson. Now we can learn to move forward uh, together a little bit better. Do you see that type of politics today? Because I sure don't. Well, that's my hope, is that we can rebuild this. We can yeah. give a, a sense of uh, real perspective in, in terms of why character uh, is really the most important thing as you seek to be a leader. And we all you know, espouse leadership, but it's what's inside that person. It's the character of that individual. And we write about many people. Um, you know, I wrote about Kissinger. I wrote about you know Ben Crenshaw, the golfer, Kathy Lee Gifford. There's a broad spectrum of people that I've known through the years, and I wanted people to understand why do these people go to the peak? Why do they go to the top uh, yeah. and be the most successful in their sphere of influence in life? And and so I, I hopefully this can be a, a big help to other folks. I wrote a lot about Billy Graham and Franklin Graham. I met sure. Billy when he was uh, I was 21 years old, and I was his caddy in the Byron Nelson Golf Classic, and he was playing for Bob Hope. He was playing with Bob Hope and Arnold Palmer and, and Byron Nelson. And I chased golf balls for Bob Hope and, and Billy all over the golf course. But that began a 50-year relationship with him and the family. I traveled with you know, Franklin all over the world. And you know, these are people who live out their lives. They, they, they live out what they preach. And I think it's it's who we are as people. It's how we live out our life. It's it's what people see in us that makes the difference. Amen to that. We're talking with former uh, former Congressman Robert Pittenger, author of the book Character Matters: Personal Stories of Thirty One World Changers. Uh, we got just about a minute before we have to take a break here, but real quick, I, I have to ask you: Was there in doing the research and looking into these people and talking to others, was there some type of common denominator, some type of uh, factor that everybody had that was in unison that led them to be the leaders that they were, whether it was some type of uh, stress, whether it was some type of hard time, some type of trauma, some or whatever it was that led them to be that strong leader that they needed to be at that time. I think uh, they were people of conviction, but they were people of humility. Uh, everyone that I, everyone that I met, uh, Henry Kissinger, I was around many times, brilliant, thoughtful man. Now, you know, he, he viewed uh, the world and diplomacy from the context of what he was doing. But uh, Dr. Kissinger was a very thoughtful, uh, humble individual in spite of his, uh, how his world acclaimed. And you could say that about all these individuals. Joe Gibbs, he's the only person who's ever you know, won the three Super Bowls and, and five NASCAR championships. I mean, most humble guy in the world. And so... I hope that uh, folks will find a, a way to and go to Amazon, just uh, type in Character Matters, Personal Stories, and they'll get, they can get the book. Go and check it out. Amazon on there. Character Matters is the book. It's Robert Pittenger. Rob, we appreciate the time very much. My friend, good luck with the, with the book. We'd love to chat with you again soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for the time. Hey, appreciate it very much. A lot more coming up on The Voice of Reason. Stay this here. Is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. America's safe space for common sense. 
This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Last segment. Man, how it flies right on by. Always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Thanks again to former Congressman Robert Pittenger coming on the show in 9th District of North Carolina and author of the book Character Matters. Boy, we do need some leadership and some character, don't we? We need some character and leadership. That's what we're missing in society today. If we had that, if we had leadership, if we had people thinking for themselves, I always joke, you know, what this program's about. And for those that may be new to listening to this program, what is this crazy guy on the radio ranting about today? Uh, Here's what this program really sums up to you right now, is this show is not just about reading headlines, but it's about putting things into perspective because we have a knowledge, uh, we have an information overload in society, don't we? You can look up and do anything that you want to do. We have news, we have TV, we have radio, we have podcasts, we have headlines, we have journals, we have just whatever, we have books. There's so much information. We have Google that you can search anything you want to and fill in the blank search engine for your uh, online searching that we have so much information you can find anything that you want. Much of it not even that accurate, just people saying random things, podcasts that just say crap, shows that just say things that aren't even factually accurate, elected officials that don't even say anything that are remotely accurate at all. But it's information. It's going into your ears and it's overwhelming you on a daily basis. What we all do on this program, or at least what we try to do, and what we try to teach you to do so you don't have to rely on us to do it for you, because that's not what we're all about. We're about wicked, wild, independent thinking here on the show is that you take all of that stuff and put it into context and be able to filter out what's right, what's wrong, and use what we call the knowledge and the wisdom. You can have information, but information is useless unless you have the wisdom and the understanding to go along with it. I have, if you watch the video stream, which you can see on our social media sites at Hoosier Reason, also OpsLens that uh, picks up our live video streams as well, uh, we have an entire library behind me. I've always wanted a bookshelf, like a wall-to-wall bookshelf. I have just about a wall-to-wall bookshelf, uh, minus like the TV and everything that's behind me here. Uh, but I have an entire wall covered with bookshelves. I haven't read a lot of them. The information's there. Now I need to actually absorb it and put it into context and bring the wisdom that it gives me. That's what we have to do. And that by there creates leadership because then we understand the situation that we're in better and we can solve the problem. It's all about problem solving, which I know is a challenge for our public education system now because they don't teach us how to think. They just teach us what to think to where we can regurgitate on it on a book and then we're all good and we just move on about our day. It's about trying to find proper leadership in today's times because right now that is what I think we are lacking more than anything else is true leadership. I know I harp on this quite a bit on this program, but the Republican Party Where's our leaders? Mike Johnson is slowly starting to become a decent leader, but where is our leadership? Donald Trump. Well, maybe Donald Trump. Maybe he'll become president again. We'll see. Who knows? But we need proper and good leadership because leadership is missing desperately for us to lay out a platform, for us to lay out our talking points, to lay out our messaging to the American people to understand what the Republican Party, what conservatism actually stands for. And I think we need a little bit of that leadership to rise above because in the chaos, there's always the strong ones that rise up. You know, the cycle of, you know, the good times create the weak men, the weak men create the poor times, the poor times create the hard men, the hard men create the good times, you know, and that vicious cycle happens. We're in that poor time right now and the hard men need to, and women got to be inclusive here and other (laughs) fill in the blank for whatever. Uh, I know. Is that a success? Oh, okay. I'm sorry. No success on that one, that the good men and women need to rise up and start creating those good times again. And that's what we have to do. Remember what they always said, that if you want something done, you ask someone who's too busy to do it, right? Because if you want it actually done, then 
you're going to get somebody who, if they commit to it, you know it's going to get done and get done properly. Those are getting harder to find, which means now I'm tired of relying on other people. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm just going to do it myself. And that's what you have to do as well. Be that catalyst for changing your local community. There he goes. That's my PSA of the week, and that's my motivational speech for you to go get something done and get her done and the carpe diem all over this place, as we like to say. I want to tell you about my friends over at Americans for Prosperity. Prosperity is possible. I know it's tough, and I know just like we talked about, there's not a lot of good news economically going on right now, but prosperity is possible. And when we let people know that their prosperity, their individual prosperity is possible, and that it can be done through a capitalist system to where the opportunities are endless, the streets paved with gold, the American dream is still alive. When they realize that, they take advantage of it. Prosperityispossible.com. Prosperityispossible.com. Type in your email, get the information into your straight to your inbox. You can know exactly how to make that prosperity flourish and prosper individually and in your own community. We appreciate them partnering with us here very much as well. That does it for us today. Back at it again next weekend. Until then, be that catalyst for change. Be that voice of reason in your own community. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice of Reason. I'm Andy Gujar. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you on the radio next week.